Welcome to another edition of the Truth Hurts Program. I'm your host, Steve Z. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Truth Hurts Program for August 16th, 2021, the fourth program installment for the day. My name is Steve Z. Again, August 16th, 2021. I'm reading something in The Hill that made me chuckle just a little bit. It says, Biden and Trump battle over who's to blame for Afghanistan. Before I even read this, I haven't even read it yet. Before I even go into this to try and digest it and impart this information to you, the common sense, intelligence thinking, Truth Hurts program listener, I want you to think for just a moment. Joe Biden, on day one of becoming the president of the United States, sought to undo every single thing that Donald Trump offered during his four-year presidency. Day one, Joe Biden stopped construction of the border wall. Day one, Joe Biden rolled out the red carpet for illegal invading immigrants and said, come on over, we need Democrat votes. Immediately upon taking office after Donald Trump, Joe Biden sought to undo every single policy that Donald Trump had put into place. Every one of his clean energy programs that he put in place, Joe Biden twisted around to make it look like Trump was out there smoking up the environment. The first week in office, Joe Biden sought to cancel leases on federal waters and federal lands for oil and gas exploration. He immediately stopped the Keystone XL Energy Pipeline project from being completed. He undid everything. Why did he choose to continue with a withdrawal policy that Donald Trump had clearly laid out? A withdrawal policy of U.S. troops from Afghanistan, which at the time included somewhat of a continued presence there. Joe Biden took that ball and ran with it and then accelerated the timeline, pushed it up. He wanted all the troops out so that he could celebrate some kind of way on September 11th of this year, the 20th anniversary of the Middle Easterners coming over to our country, people like the Taliban, like ISIS, and destroying and murdering Americans wholesale. Why did gropey Joe Biden not fully reverse the withdrawal from Afghanistan? That would be the very first question I would be asking if I were a television reporter speaking to the gropester. Brett Samuels wrote 48 minutes ago on the Hill, Biden and Trump battle over who's to blame for Afghanistan. The finger pointing over the fall of Afghanistan between Trump and Biden is in full swing amid the chaotic scramble to get U.S. personnel and allies out of the country before a full Taliban takeover. Too late. Biden, who rarely mentions Trump, did exactly what I said he was going to do in a weekend statement, digging in on the U.S. withdrawal. Biden reminded Americans that the U.S. pullout was originally negotiated by the Trump administration. He highlighted the former president's plans to invite Taliban leaders to Camp David on or around the anniversary of the September 11th terrorist attacks. Trump indeed had a plan, had a plan in place. But 
Now Biden seeks to blame Trump again, which is what Democrats do, if you recall. Barack Hussein Obama spent eight years of his presidency upon which he could not accomplish a whole hell of a lot of good for the U.S. He spent the entirety of his eight years in the White House blaming Bush for everything that he, Obama, did wrong. And now gropey Joe Biden will likely spend whatever little he has left in the remainder of his presidency trying to blame Trump for this massive foreign policy debacle, this shit show in Afghanistan that is eight months into gropey Joe Biden's administration and immediately following just a few weeks ago, Biden accelerating the troop withdrawal from Afghanistan without so much as putting a tiny plan in place to make sure that the Afghan people could remain free and safe after the pullout. Of course, this senseless back and forth overshadows what experts and government officials say is a messy situation. Now, both leaders had a hand in the pulling out of troops from Afghanistan. It's just Biden has handled it so, so far much worse than Trump did. One official who spoke on condition of anonymity said President Trump did the Biden administration no favors by making it clear that he was going to remove U.S. troops and began a negotiation process that was driven by that imperative. That's bullshit. Biden stopped every single one of Trump's programs, every single one of his ambitions and goals dead in their tracks when Biden took office. If Biden did not agree with the withdrawal of American troops from Afghanistan, he should have said so during the campaign. He should have said so on day one. He could have simply pulled the stop button and made this all go away if it was such a mistake under Donald Trump. Now the news media, the leftist mainstream news media, is going to stand behind Gropey Joe and try to blame all of this mess on Donald Trump, who left office eight months ago, almost a year ago. They're saying Biden has long been a skeptic of the continued U.S. presence in Afghanistan. He advocated for this during his time as vice president for a much smaller footprint there. And while Biden did spend the first weeks in office unraveling his predecessor's agenda with ruthless efficiency, this article says, he announced in April that he would follow through with the plans that were first announced by Trump to eventually withdraw U.S. forces from Afghanistan. But as the withdrawal nears its conclusion, the situation has gone awry, completely off the rails. The Taliban have swept through major cities. They've taken control faster than Biden administration officials predicted. The Afghan forces trained and equipped by American troops have failed to provide much, if any, resistance. And now the U.S. is frantically scrambling to try and get its own diplomatic personnel out of the capital city of Kabul because Biden doesn't want to look like Hillary Clinton and leave a bunch of Americans there to die needlessly. The Bidens also would like to briskly process and evacuate thousands of Afghan civilians who aided the Americans over the last 20 years. The Trump administration had brokered a deal in 2020 which laid out a plan for the U.S. to fully withdraw from Afghanistan if the group upheld certain commitments 
such as denying safe haven to terrorist organizations such as ISIS or Al-Qaeda. But of course, that all went south when gropey Joe Biden took office. And now, gropey Joe Biden is trying to blame Donald Trump for the shit show that he presides over now eight months into his own administration. Such a shame, my friends. Adam Kinzinger is a Republican representative from Illinois, and he served in the U.S. Air Force. He called today a dark day that could foreshadow the emergence and re-emergence of terrorist groups as the Taliban strengthens its hold on Afghanistan and sets its sight on doing what they're chanting in the streets of Afghanistan, the Taliban-y that are, death to America, death to America. We saw it coming, Gropey Joe's team saw it coming, and they not only allowed it, they promoted it. And here's the ugly truth. Neither party is serious about our foreign policy right now. This according to Senator Ben Sass, Republican of Nebraska. For a decade now, demagogues have lied to the American people about our mission in Afghanistan. Trump pioneered a strategy of removing American troops. Biden is pursuing it now dangerously, disastrously, failing at every turn. We need to get serious about foreign policy or foreign policy will come knocking on our doors with bombs, biological weapons, and other things. Hell, it may already be underway. This is the Truth Hurts program. Oh, Biden's getting his ass handed to him on all fronts, my friends. According to the Washington Examiner today, August 16th, 2021, the American Petroleum Institute is suing the Biden administration over his decision to pause oil and gas leasing, which is, you and I well know, causing massive price increases at the pumps and on your electric bill because much of the electricity in this country is produced by burning oil in generating stations. API, the American Petroleum Institute, is leading a lawsuit challenging the Biden administration's indefinite pause on oil and natural gas leasing in federal lands and waters. The suit was filed today. 11 oil industry trade groups and API argue that the Interior Department failed to satisfy procedural requirements and ignored congressional mandates that require those lease sales to go on. The law is clear. The department must hold lease sales and they must provide a justification for any significant policy changes. This according to Paul Alfonso, the API senior vice president and chief legal officer. The Biden administration has yet to meet these requirements in the eight months that have passed since instituting federal leasing pauses, which continue to create uncertainty for U.S. natural gas and oil producers. The suit was filed in the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Louisiana. The Mineral Leasing Act requires quarterly onshore leasing sales and Outer Continental Shelf Lands Act directs the government to pursue expeditious development of energy resources offshore. A Louisiana-based federal district judge already ruled against Joe Biden in uh, June 
granting a preliminary nationwide injunction to end the leasing pause for more than a dozen oil and gas producing states that had filed suit. Louisiana and other Gulf states filed a motion last week to Terry Doughty, the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Louisiana, to compel compliance with his ruling that Biden's leasing pause is illegal and must end. Yet, Biden, snubbing his nose at the courts as he seems to want to do, thinking he's a dictator, has instructed the Interior Department to not resume offshore lease sales. Deb Holland is the Interior Secretary. She says the Department of Interior is complying with the court order, but it's not just a switch you can turn on, a response that has drawn objections from members of both parties who are begging, pleading, and prodding the Biden administration to resume oil and gas lease sales as oil, natural gas, diesel, and gasoline prices soar upward, even though Biden knows he is harming his nation and we are no longer a net exporter of oil and natural gas as we were under Donald Trump's administration and Biden is now begging OPEC and other Middle Eastern nations, please, please increase production so the prices will go down so people will stop blaming me. (laughs) Biden, if you recall, signed an executive order just after taking office in January imposing an indefinite pause on new oil and gas leases on federal lands and waters. It was a step towards fulfilling one of his major campaign promises to address climate change and to hurt the oil and gas industry and every single American citizen in the process. That pause was met with fierce backlash from the fossil fuel industry, as well as the states such as Louisiana, Texas, West Virginia with their coal and others, even Democrat-led states, fostered backlash towards the Biden administration. But it has not stopped companies from obtaining permits to drill and develop oil and gas on existing leases. Interior Department officials have stressed that U.S. companies do develop oil and gas on federal lands, even during the pause on new leasing, and that states and the federal government are not losing significant amounts of revenue. That is a bold-faced lie. Interior continues approving permits to drill for oil on existing public land leases, and the department is expected to release a report later in the summer on whether it intends to make the indefinite pause on oil and gas leases permanent, or to propose reforms to raise costs and impose stricter regulations on oil and gas development on public waters and lands instead. My friends, The Biden administration is the shit show that keeps on taking, taking from you and taking from me. This is the Truth Hurts program. Unbelievable. And since it's Bash Biden Day here on the Truth Hurts program, I'll tell you this. While pushing his budget-busting economic agenda, Biden tried to claim that the responsibility of the fiscal health of our nation was upon him. You might recall, he said, this isn't going to be anything like my predecessor, whose unpaid tax cuts and other spending added nearly $8 trillion in his four years to the national debt. Eight trillion. Hell no. They've added that just in the first eight months of his administration. Let's get some facts straight, my friends. 
In just eight years, the Obama-Biden administration oversaw federal debt outstanding increases from $10.7 trillion to $20 trillion. That was almost a $10 trillion increase. We went from 73.2% of GDP to 105.3% of GDP. That is a pace of more than 4% of GDP per year in annual deficits. The Biden-Obama administration increase in debt was nearly equivalent to all the federal debt accumulated over the entire history of the United States that preceded the Obama-Biden administration. Three years into the Donald Trump administration, just prior to the onset of the Wuhan China novel coronavirus pandemic, the national debt stood at $23.2 trillion, equivalent to 106.9% of GDP. But because of stronger economic growth that America was then realizing under Donald Trump, debt as a percentage of GDP was increasing at just one half of 1% per year. During 2020, at the height of the Wuhan China novel coronavirus pandemic, the federal debt rose $4.5 trillion. And the bulk of that deficit came from the significant federal assistance provided to support the economy during the pandemic-related recession fostered on by the Democrats in Congress demanding that everybody get a paycheck, everybody get a handout, everybody get a stimulus check, everybody get a bonus in addition to your unemployment for staying home. This inflation-related recession was the deepest economic shock to our country in nearly a century. You think Biden would have spent less? Of course not. In fact, according to a recent report by the National Bureau of Economic Research, the pandemic recession also ended up being the shortest recession on record because of the swift implementation of the bipartisan Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security Act, known as the CARES Act, led by our Treasury Department under the administration of Donald Trump. It's odd now to hear Biden criticize deficit spending under the Trump administration, which supported our economy during a quarter when GDP fell 31% on the annualized basis. Where the hell was Biden's concern for the debt in March of this year when the Democrats in Congress passed on an entirely partisan basis nearly $2 trillion in the American Rescue Plan Act. That program, which is contributing to slower employment growth and much higher inflation, was entirely debt-financed, meaning they went further into debt to pass this 10 months after the recession had fully and officially ended. Where's the same concern for debt? as Biden's socialist partner, Senator Bernie Sanders, the chairman of the Senate Budget Committee, who just wrote a budget that increases federal spending by $3.5 trillion, paid for entirely with accounting gimmicks. No, my friends, it's all part of the shit show that is the Democrat Party. Instead of caring about our country's economy, Biden's recent remark about Trump's deficit spending during the height of the Wuhan China novel coronavirus pandemic was just another dishonest swipe at the notion that tax cuts create economic growth. 
He needs to repeat his lie to support the left's extremist agenda of greater central planning, of massive tax increases, of radical redistribution of wealth, and an ever-expanding government dependency. By comparison, my friends, the Trump administration's policy was built on economic freedom, getting the government the hell out of the way, unleashing the private sector, and investing in American ingenuity, all to benefit Americans. History shows that lowering marginal rates and creating investment incentives always cause growth that results in increased tax receipts. A lower rate on a much larger base of activity can generate more revenue than a high rate of taxation on less economic activity. Prior to the pandemic, America was starting to see very positive results from that Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017, and the Democrats and their friends like Dr. Fucci decided to unleash a pandemic upon the world to drive the successful Donald Trump economy into the toilet. In the five months of fiscal 2020, just prior to the Wuhan China virus shutdowns, corporate tax receipts actually rose to $74 billion as compared to $60 billion, the equivalent five months of fiscal 2019. Do you hear what I just said? The Trump tax cuts of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 resulted in nearly a 25% increase in taxes collected because lower taxes in general resulted in people spending more money and paying more in taxes. Likewise, individual income tax receipts for our nation were up 7 plus percent. Many jobs had returned to American shores that had been being performed overseas and across our borders under Donald Trump. Manufacturing was returning to the United States of America under Donald Trump. The unemployment rate had reached a 50-year low. More than a half million manufacturing jobs were created. These actions helped to generate the longest economic expansion in our nation's history. One that only came to a halt because of the pandemic, which we are now finding out more and more evidence each and every day was not a bat in a wet market in Wuhan, but was rather a genetically engineered, biologically created virus with 73 United States patents and Dr. Fucci's people were involved. And that shut down the economy for the purpose of getting Donald Trump and his successful capitalist economic policies out of office to make way for the gropey Joe Biden New World Order Democrat-controlled shutdown of capitalism as a whole. The positive social aspect of Donald Trump's Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was astounding. More Americans were working. More minorities were working. The poverty level in 2019, in fact, my friends, for African Americans and Hispanic Americans fell to the lowest rates in recorded history. More blacks, more Hispanics were on the payrolls of companies earning their living, paying taxes than ever before in the history of the United States of America. 
Reductions in poverty translated to fewer Americans depending on food stamps and welfare, unemployment assistance, and other so-called social safety net programs which always cost taxpayers more money. Contrast this with Gropey Joe's administration's own forecast of the economic impact of its own budget. Once the economic consequences of the pandemic eventually get behind us, the Biden administration forecasts that full implementation of their budget will lead to a whopping 1.8% GDP growth. Maybe 2%. They're ignoring that a growing economy generates the type of shared prosperity and record low poverty levels that Americans had indeed truly enjoyed during the Trump years. The choice facing the American people is quite clear. Biden's greater dependency on government accompanied by slow growth, tax hikes, and inflation causes declines in real wages and passes along massive loads of debt to your children, your grandchildren, and generations to come. Greater self-reliance with economic liberty causes stronger economic growth and real income gains for all Americans, which is what we all experienced under Donald Trump's first three and a half years in office. And it only came crashing down after the man-made, U.S.-patented Wuhan China novel coronavirus was foisted upon the peoples of planet Earth for some nefarious plan of population control and the crushing of capitalist economies to usher in socialism, communism, Biden-Harrisism. The fact that Biden will continue to advocate socialism and communism's methodologies under the banner of fiscal responsibility takes dishonest cynicism to an entirely new low. Thanks to Mike Falkender former assistant secretary for the Treasury and Economic Policy, currently a University of Maryland finance professor, and also thanks to Monica Crowley, who has served as assistant secretary for the Treasury for Public Affairs under the Trump administration for their contribution to this article in The Hill. This is the Truth Hurts program. Hey there, Bob. How's all that white privilege treating you? Not so good, Mike. How's your white privilege treating you? Well, my white privilege allowed me to work ever since I was a young boy in high school. Start out baling hay for a local farmer, work down at the ag supply store. Finally, after finishing high school, I learned to trade a welding. I worked as a welder and a pipe fitter, and sometimes I was working 80 hours a week in the sun and the rain and the cold winters, busting my butt. I've worked offshore, onshore, I've worked on pipelines and big ships and bridges and tanks and everything. I've worked my butt off, man. I finally got up enough money to buy a new house and a decent pickup truck, and now my white privilege has gotten me laid off because some liberal puke decided my job is not essential. They canceled all the oil and gas jobs, the pipeline jobs, all the welding work on the wall to protect our southern border. Wow, Mike, that's too bad. Too bad you're a white fella like me. Otherwise, you could get in on all sorts of government programs and handouts and giveaways. You know, things that others get away with. Hey, by the way, how many kids do you have? 
I only have one. Too damn bad, Mike. You need to get your old lady to spit out a few more, like six or seven. The way it works in non-white privileged land is the more kids you have, the more government benefits you can take. More food stamp money, more COVID relief money, more WIC, more Social Security money, free and reduced housing grants, utility assistance, health care, and a whole lot more. Really? Yep, but you see, you're a hard-working, tax-paying white guy like me. So you just have to do what John Kerry said. Now that you got laid off in the oil field, you can just simply run out tomorrow and get a job building electrical charging stations or batteries for electric cars. Instantly. Like that. Automatically. You're going to magically have the skills and the knowledge to change careers automatically. Because the Democrats need skilled folks like you to implement their programs so that others on welfare can continue to stay home and not work. Gee, Bob, sounds like my white privilege is going to make me continue to work for those who refuse to. That's right. That's your white privilege hard at work. As a special request from my buddy Bill for that particular piece, I thought that was kind of appropriate, even though we're bashing Biden on foreign policy and his economy. I think the whole lie of white privilege and all this white supremacy and all this other garbage that's being foisted upon us every day, not only on the news, but in commercials and TV shows, is starting to take its toll. I don't know a single soul who can look at one aspect of the Biden presidency and nod in approval for any single thing that this clown has done since taking office. And if you are, you're deluding yourself. It is a disaster in the making. That's going to wrap up this fourth edition of the Truth Hurts program for today. Hope you enjoyed it. Have a great afternoon. You have been listening to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you are offended, but we retract nothing. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. This program, copyright 2021, the Truth Hurts Network.